What's up, everybody? It's Andrea. Today, Beverly gets her groove on. Odin's got some splaining to do. And we ask the question, would you volunteer yourself to be a Trill host? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, Sharice, we're talking season four, episode 22, entitled The Host. This episode was written by Michelle Horvat and directed by Martin V. Rush. In this episode, Dr. Crusher falls in love with Odan, a Trill mediator. But after he is mortally injured, she discovers that Odan is actually a symbiotic creature that lives inside a humanoid host body. I mean... To find out that the person you love is not the person you love and what's worse, some sort of parasite. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. The dangers of space travel and space love, I guess. Um, you never know what I you're going to. I think this is like a, 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 an 11 bum, 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 like plot synopsis. Seriously. <laughs> so much stuff going on. What are your initial thoughts on this episode? So I was so excited. I haven't seen this episode in a a while, but I was really excited about this because I know it's the Trill episode and um, the Trill become a big thing in Deep Space Nine. One of the main cast members is a Trill. One of the main uh, crew members, I should say, is a Trill. And the Trill are completely different by the time we get to Deep Space Nine than they Mm -hmm. do in this particular episode. But by the time we get there, like their whole like identity is fleshed out, their backstories, how they reproduce, all the stuff is fleshed out. But at this point, it's just an idea. And it's such an interesting idea. So I was excited about this. This is also an episode where Beverly finds love. And she just, I mean, so far, she's been on a roll. Her last love interest was the guy who had the super cool healing touch powers and all this stuff. I mean, she tends to fall for some pretty epic dudes. So I very much enjoy her love story episodes. Unlike the episodes we've had so far with Troy, where that last guy she fell in love with was just a total douchebag. Um, but that does change. She does fall in love with some people who are like really cool people later on. Yeah. But so all together, yeah. I was excited. I was excited about the trill and I was excited for another Beverly love story because she only falls for guys who are really wonderful with the exception, I guess, of that guy who kidnapped her and was a terrorist. (laughs) That was a weird, that was a weird crush. And and then she ends up falling in love with like a ghost. But that was a very, that was a very seductive ghost to be fair. Okay. (laughs) I think I've only seen that episode once and I was like, yuck, I hate everything about this and I never saw it again. So I haven't seen it for like 30 years. Like one of my favorite Beverly episodes. You know, I love episodes when she goes crazy. Like I love those episodes when she loses it because you get to see her acting chops of her like freaking out and unraveling and, and, you know, pacing back and forth. And you're just like, man, this woman is so good. So that's why I love that episode. But yeah, but it's disturbing (laughs) for me. I do not like the episodes where people are unraveling and falling apart. I think as from watching it as um, an audience member, you can really appreciate like the acting chops, like you said, but Mm -hmm. I have had people in my life who have unraveled Mm -hmm. and it's really disturbing and horrible. And, um, traumatic so I'm like no I yeah. don't need to watch it it's not it's definitely not entertaining in real life that's for sure no and it's not it's really like entertaining on the screen of entertaining either it, it's not really yeah. entertaining on screen it's yeah. just more like wow look at their range like so for me it's like looking at a beautiful piece of art that maybe I wouldn't purchase for my home but I mm-hmm. get that it's art you know mm-hmm. um yeah, but yeah I, I totally hear you what were your initial thoughts on this episode See, you and I it's so funny we've been friends for a really long time <laughs> you were like 
oh, it's the Trill episode. And I was like, oh, it's the Trill episode. Like same words. <laughs> if we sent a text message to each other saying that, we would not be able to infer the tone. Yeah. I was like, this one gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's like a, it's like a parasite one. But you know what? I, I was thinking about the synopsis and I was like, wow, this synopsis reads like a horror movie. Like she falls mm-hmm. in love with this person. Turns out he's not what he seems. And what's worse, he's the fucking parasite. Like this is so weird and like total horror movie vibes. But because it's Star Trek, it's written so well that it really feels like science fiction mm-hmm. meets like real human love, Emotions you know, like emotional reactions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, I initially was like, yuck, I don't want to watch this, but after, you know, while it, when we got to the end, I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot better than I remember mm-hmm. with some weird parts, which we'll get mm-hmm. into. Um, you are right though. Symbiotic species known as the trail make their first appearance in this episode. And then they were featured a bunch later in like deep space nine. Um, they have a way more fleshed out storyline. Um, certain things like they can use like transporters with no problem in deep mm-hmm. space nine, mm-hmm. but like in this episode, cause it, it was the first time we've ever seen them. It was just, it, there was still very little couldn't. to that story. And yeah. you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that too, because like, I think it still blends with the future that they made for the trail, because in this case, this particular parasite was like on its last, like the host was like on its, on his last leg or whatever. Um, yeah. after that, like, injury it had one simple injury and the host was like donezo right and so (laughs) it was kind of like yeah maybe it maybe being transported would have just been like one too many things for whatever's been going on with this host so far (laughs) so i'm i'm totally okay with that explanation like at this point sure but by the time they get to deep space nine they're just like any other alien species except for the fact that they have this historical memory because the parasites can't die i mean they can die but they they are like very treasured and precious in the trail culture um, oh. not everybody in the trail culture can, can hold the parasite only a few select and they're like raised their whole lives to be able to handle it and all the stuff. And then they get like the memories of every single person the trail has ever been a part of before. It's really, really fascinating. Wow. But at this point, it's just an idea. It feels a little bit, it feels a little bit like ready player two where, mm-hmm. you know, they, you can put on that like helmet and then mm-hmm. you can experience the life that people were experiencing when yes. they were recording those memories. And it's like, yes. wow, it's so cool. Well, let's open this episode up. It opens with a personal log from Beverly, which, which is, I don't I think was, we've had before, right? We no, haven't had I, an opening with Beverly before. Cause um, it felt probably, new. I think we've had, we've had chief medical officers logs, but not we had personal logs, but not log. like an opening though. Like the episode starts with Beverly. Oh, maybe, I think, maybe I think we have, one. I think we have, but we haven't had any that were like personal logs, which I think is fabulous. It's super refreshing. She's got a letter from Wesley. He's doing really well in certain areas. He's doing really well in exobiology, but he has some trouble with like ancient philosophies or something. <laughs> so I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sounds like, sounds totally. Yep. Yeah. That tracks. Um, but the big news is there's somebody new in her life. And now we see the first shot in the enterprise and it turns out making out in an elevator is still a thing in the 24th century. Yeah. But it seems, it seems risky because turbo lifts will stop at the drop of a hat, like making out in the mm-hmm. turbo lift. Mm-hmm. That's risky. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. They're making out like teenagers and it's not just like, totally. kiss, kiss. it's like, <laughs> it's like, I just yes. can't get enough of you. And the doors open and it's data who really is the perfect person to walk in on the scenario. Thank God. Because anyone else in the entire ship would be like, Ooh, I know what you two are up to, mm-hmm. but data's like, Hey guys. So I have this report that I want to go over with you and maybe we can meet later on. And what do you, do you want to look at my report now? I don't know. And they're just like, um, and they're like silently communicating. Hmm. Like, how yeah. do we get rid of 
Ham. That third yes, wheel we, over here. Yes, we do need you to do this report. It's going to take you at least an hour. Okay. Dr. Beverly, will you set him up at the station? And then I, I, I've got a headache. Can you, I'm going to go lie down. Can you come bring me like a hypo spray in like 20 minutes? Because <laughs> I can't <laughs> replicate one um, apparently. So (laughs) maybe that's like a a safety feature on the enterprise. You can't replicate medication. It has to be doled out by medical professionals, which is very wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Now as data is being set up with Dr. Crusher, like at this portal and do whatever, whatever, Mm -hmm. do whatever the fuck. Odon returns to his quarters and he's standing in front of the mirror and you see his stomach start to protrude. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <gasps> conspiracy. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I thought immediately. I was like, it's conspiracy I, throwback. I had three thoughts back to back. One thought was conspiracy. And I was like, it's Commander Remick. But like, I knew this was the trail mm-hmm. episode. But had I not known this was the trail episode, I would be like, what the F is going yeah, on they're back. right now? They're back. My second immediate thought was alien. And then the third thing I thought was Matrix. There was that scene when they put the bug into Neo. <gasps> yeah. But it turns out to be like a real bug. And it's like this the thing creepy that scorpion looks like thingy. a T4 bacteriophage. Mm-hmm. It looks like a T4 bacteriophage. Yes. It does. And then suddenly it becomes this crazy metallic scorpion that goes into your body and who knows what. And those three thoughts came to me in quick succession. But the look on Odan's face as he's just like hypo spraying it or whatever was like doop do doop doop do like he was watering plants. And I was like, um, sir sir, your stomach is bulging right now. I need some kind of reaction other than like, and like, like he's brushing his teeth. I mean, just, it was like a sonic shower. Couldn't be, couldn't be any less exciting. And I was like, it was just who he was. was, I I feel like he was feeding it. I don't know what the F he was doing, but how did Beverly never see that before? All the times that these two have boned, she never saw some weird thing protruding from his stomach. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck, Odon? What the heck? And yes. like, I, co- I totally agree with you. Like if, I mean, this was a love story. It was a beautiful episode, but they could have easily taken this into a really creepy direction. I mean, we saw how creepy that one scene was from the episode when they couldn't sleep with the like mm-hmm. night terrors that all set up. And we were like, oh my oh gosh, my God, get out of yeah. there, get out of there. Like that was so creepy with just one simple thing that didn't have anything to do with creatures inside of the body. Yeah. But somehow they made this not horrible. Like this, this part was horrible, but the rest of the episode, you weren't like scared at all. So that was pretty yes, impressive. I agree. And that's, and that's what I think is so wonderful about this episode. It has the potential to be a horror story and it's not, mm-hmm. and it's actually really cool. Um, now, Dr. Beverly has clearly spent the night because the next thing we see, she's brushing her hair and O'Don's got a different outfit on. He's got his like, he looks like he's going to go do the like um, jujitsu class <laughs> that Worf is doing. He's got <laughs> like a do white the tai kind chi of a robe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Klingon Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There is a term for it and I can't remember what there it is, is, but whatever. It'll come to you. It's mm-hmm. fine. So he he comes up behind her and like, he calls her Dr. Beverly, which I think is really cute. It's those kind of little details that set her apart in his estimation. Mm-hmm. Nobody else on the show has ever called her Dr. Beverly. It's a really sweet think- nickname. It's not like button or kitten or sweetie or something like that, where it's like, if he said it in or public, Dr. people would be button. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not like that where it's like some nickname where if they, if he said it in public, it would make them both embarrassed. Dr. Beverly is a cute nickname that you can totally use in public. That just sounds totally regular. Nothing totally about it would raise any eyebrows. 
Absolutely, completely fine and regular. Yes. So he does call her Dr. Beverly, which is really cute. They've got this little kind of like detail that's lovely. And we now, need it, right? Because as the trill switches bodies, we know who where Odan is based on exactly. who's calling Dr. Beverly. Exactly. Since we don't now, have the handy dandy musical sounds that we had in season one. Yes. Now we didn't talk about this, but Odan is an ambassador um, who's with the enterprise to negotiate a peace treaty between these two hostile races. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that we have this extremely interesting B plot problem. Mm-hmm. I I loved the idea of this. So he's mm-hmm. here to to negotiate some sort of peace between these Pelians. The Pelians have a planet and two moons that are inhabitable. The inhabitants of the Alpha Moon have tra- have tapped into the moon's magnetic field and are using it as an energy source. And the Beta Moon is suffering environmental damage as a result of that. So the beta moon is like beginning to exhibit the symptoms of like global warming and climate change and climate crisis. And like, despite the pleas of the betans, the elephants like will not stop using their energy source. And it's fascinating, like to see that both sides are arming for war. And it's like, it's so applicable into our own global climate crisis. I was like, oh, I love that this was 1991. And they were talking about global climate change. You know, yes. yeah. And also kind of the way that people are right. And so, and I, and I believe in the episode, they were taking energy from the ma- magnetic core of the planet. And the way they show this little diagram is that all these little magnetic waves are coming from the planet. And they're being all mm-hmm. soaked up by the alpha moon and the beta moons behind the alpha moon. It's like, Hey, what about me? And you're like, wow, that's a legit problem. Like you are physically blocking their access to this because mm-hmm. of just the rotations of your moons around the planet. And you're not going to give your energy source, but they also can't do anything about it. And if you go to war, you just both get destroyed. And what was so interesting too, was that the governor of the planet is trying to kind of help these two moons chill out because she's like, we've been chilling on the planet. We're fine. The moon people are always going at it with each other. We just saw them as bickering children, but now they're kind of escalating. But even that is interesting that there's almost like a, like a mother or like an umbrella organization, an umbrella society or whatever that Mm -hmm. is there to try to mediate these splinter societies so that all three can live in peace and harmony. It was fascinating. Not only was it fascinating, but also the, the Paleans, the, the makeup that they have is so gorgeous. I loved it. I thought it was too. I thought it was really cool too. And I actually didn't write a lot about it because I figured you would talk about it because it was just very, very striking and unlike anything we'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And when the Paleans come aboard like the delegates from the alpha and the beta moons come aboard they're wearing the same uniforms and outfits as anybody as everybody else with those like hats that kind of are on like the edge of their head mm-hmm. i thought it was really really cool and like the special effects and makeup had made these like bridges that had negative space mm-hmm. so there were a few times where you could see the profile of the pelian and you could mm-hmm. see the other side of the room like through the gap in their like nasal bridge and i was like yeah. jesus that is like so cool and must have been a pain in the butt to film with because mm-hmm. you're talking that thing is moving and makeup dries and cracks mm-hmm. and like all that stuff you know that oh yeah that must have been but it was worth it i'm glad they took but the it was the dress fabulous because it was beautiful and even i love how the female had like a piece of jewelry in her nose like mm-hmm. crest and the males mm-hmm. didn't i was like oh decorating your nose that's so that makes so much sense in this culture like it just was one of those kind of world building building elements that does not have mm-hmm. to be explicitly said you're just you just understand there's a whole culture here just from that little detail of having jewelry on the nose it's like there's a whole mm-hmm. culture going on here um that was just that beautiful. was really cool that was a really yeah. nice touch yeah and i agree i really like this subplot as well because you're like oh dan this is really important 
Like what, what you're here to do is really important, even though all we care about is this love story with Beverly, <laughs> but saving these planets from war is also really important. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. completely disjointed. Like we've seen sometimes with the plots before. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was really, really neat. It was a very, um, original, like plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, and I thought that the problem was really complex and lovely and I wish we would have seen like how they would have actually agreed to yeah. like to a cessation of hostilities. Like, I was like what, what was could you guys compromise? offer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What could you offer like the alpha planet to stop using their energy source? Like or share anyway, or whatever. Also, yeah. before we get all this exposition and all this explanation, um, Beverly and Odon have to <laughs> have to head over to the observation lounge. And I'm just giggling because they're making out in Odon's quarters when Picard calls Odon. And then Beverly's like, shh, 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 like trying to keep herself really quiet, which I just yeah, thought yeah. was so funny. She's like literally so like teenager. Yeah. She's like biting her fingernails. Like, I hope he doesn't hear that I'm here or something like that, which if I they was- weren't making out who cares if he heard right like if they were just yeah, I, was, to be in the same I was space. hoping that Picard wouldn't be like Dr. Crusher we need you too and she's like I'm here captain and like captain <laughs> hears her voice coming through like the badge yeah badge or whatever where it's like, like an uh. echo <laughs> yeah and then they do the thing that kids do in school all the time when they don't want you to know that they've been out hanging out together they come in like one comes in mm-hmm. and then the other one comes in like a different door two minutes later and you're like okay I we thought that all was saw and understood what was happening, right? Because I was like, like we I all saw this. Yes. I was like, I feel like Troy, because she's a beta Z, is just like, yeah, I know what you're up to. And then I feel like Riker, because he's a player, be, knows what they're up to, right? He's just I like, would I hate feel- to have, I would hate to have like a secret romance happening and fucking Troy being like, mm-hmm. oh, and you did that too? Wow. Like, and I haven't said a word. It's like, damn it, you know too much. <laughs> Airlock, airlock. <laughs> you know, she knows too much. She knows too much. Now I want to talk about something. I don't know how we're in season four, episode 22. Mm-hmm. How did we never know that there was a full blown spa aboard the enterprise? Yeah. We saw Mont, he could cut hair, mm-hmm. but a spa, a pedicure, like mm-hmm. torch that like mm-hmm. nail polish all over your toes mm-hmm. and some sort of hand goop and a face mask. Where was I when the yeah. Enterprise Spa was a thing? Seriously, first of all, that barber shop. The first time we saw it, we were like, "There's the barber shop," mm-hmm. and now we There's have a Mont. whole. And then we it was also a salon because we saw the woman getting her hair changed with the cool little hair change. That's wand. right. Like, but wand, now, yeah. yeah, now it's taken it's taken it up to a whole new level. And I thought this is fun. <laughs> this is really fun. Yes. I'm so glad this is on the ship. I feel like this kind of shit should be mandatory for some of the senior staff where it's like, you are required to take a minimum of like six hours a week of just like relaxation and recreation mm-hmm. time, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like for you. If you need to ride a horse on the holodeck Picard, or if you need to go get your pedicure or whatever, mm-hmm. you need to be, you guys are under too much pressure, living through too much trauma. Like every week, there's mm-hmm. a huge traumatic thing. <laughs> go get a pedicure, go get some hand glop, yeah. whatever. Like it was some, fabulous. Some special I- moisturizing goop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what <laughs> Gates McFadden did a wonderful job when Deanna was kind of giving her shit about like mm-hmm. oh it's nice to treat yourself right especially if you haven't for a long time and and experience like joy and pleasure right and Beverly's like what are you referring to and Deanna's like I think we all know what I'm referring to mm-hmm. Gates McFadden was like so uncomfortable you know not Gates mm-hmm. McFadden but Dr. Beverly. Crusher was, Beverly so, was so uncomfortable, uncomfortable. She was like wiping hand goop off on the edge of the. Mm-hmm. She was bowl. wiping goop from one hand to another hand. You're just like, oh, just honey. trying to like get out of there. That goop's quickly. not going anywhere. They don't have paper no. towels in the 24th century. 
No, they sure didn't. They Thanks sure environment. Didn't. They're taking care of it. So I don't know how, I mean, that's the sonic shower, I guess. You need some like sonic hand wash where the way the sound waves just clean it. But like she was there just trying go. to smear the goop from one hand to another hand. And- On the edge of the bowl, which was like yeah. running down. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, it just looked one, really uncomfortable to film. But two, I thought perfectly executed. Yeah. Executed to demonstrate like discomfort, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, I don't want to, I don't think, what do you, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable I did too. watching I was it. Like, yeah. But then she had but finally, yeah. Beverly finally came around and was like, all right, like, I'll tell you it's what's been up. a thing. Yeah. Cause I was like, how long are we going to do this whole, first of all, you, you know, Troy already knows, but how long are we going to just dance around it? And also don't you kind of want to talk to somebody and just be like, Oh my gosh, I met this boy. He's really cute. You know, like I'm doing a thing. Yeah, yeah. You don't, there's no part of you that kind of wants to share yeah. that you're excited about something. And yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. Um, and like, I think I love that Deanna is like, look, it's not exactly a secret. Like everybody mm-hmm. knows you've been doing this. And yep. I was like, Ooh, I like that now, too. And she was like, yeah. wait, really? Since when? And it's like two scenes later, you see them like kissing in the shuttle bay. Cause you're like, yeah, yeah. now like, you know that everyone knows you don't have to be everybody knows. Anymore. We all know. You know Doesn't that everybody who. knows that you know. Doesn't matter at this point. Now we do have a little scene in the reading room where Odon comes in to talk to Captain Picard, and he goes in like a little too deep about his crush on Beverly. <laughs> I thought was really cute. I mean, really uncomfortable again for Picard. But the way Odon was just like, Doctor Beverly, she's she's so smart and and she's so wonderful. She's really pretty. She's nice. She's incredibly capable just- as a doctor <sighs> and as a woman. What the fuck does that mean? I think we all know what that means, but why would you say that to somebody's captain? She's exceptional. <laughs> Not only as a doctor, but as a woman. In the um, boardroom and the bedroom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does she right? know you're sharing this with me, bud? Oh, like- Dawn is over here talking to Captain Picard like she's a lady in the street, but a freak in the sheets Picard. <laughs> and Picard's like, uh, um, uh, um. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> A freak in the sheets. Oh my gosh. And Picard's like, I know. I mean, I wanted to know, but now you're here. So what are my chances? Now, even when Odon goes a little too deep into his like crush on Beverly, mm-hmm. Picard handles it like a true professional. Yeah. And he's definitely a little bit like taken aback and sad, but he is a total pro. And I was like, wow, so impressive. So impressive. I like this part where Odon's like, you know, you know, Beverly so much better than me. Like can I ask you some questions. And he's just like, I will not presume to speak for her, which I really appreciated as a woman. I'm just Absolutely. like, snaps. thank you. Thank you for letting yeah. her speak for her darn self. Um, but then also when Odon's like, well, how committed is she to staying in Starfleet? Very exactly. Yeah. That's what I was waiting for Picard to say. And he's just like, <clears throat> we need to go. And I don't know if I'd be like, oh, well, thank you for sharing. And you know, shuttle bays this way. I mean, it's just, even like for Picard, I just felt it. But also, yeah, I love yeah. Beverly and Odon. Like they're so cute. They're so like just completely in love. And we find out it's only yeah. been 10 days, but they are just, well, maybe they're in lust, but whatever. They're totally infatuated. They're crazy about each other. Mm-hmm. They're really, really enjoying one another's company and personalities and all of that. And it's like, I just can't hate on that. Like Picard, you no. had your time for Bosch and you guys were a weird summer fling mix. That was, mm-hmm. it was nice. And we all know it was going to be short. This one though, is like very beautiful and also yeah. feels like it's going to be short. 
feels like it's going to be short. I think for several reasons, even before we know that he's Mm -hmm. trill and has this other stuff going on, but you know, he's an ambassador. There's not a lot of chance of him, like just staying on the enterprise, you know, they're kind of transient, Mm -hmm. but I do think that, you know, it's been 10 days and they're madly in love. And I think that that's totally fine and real. I've known a lot of people who are like, that's not enough time. It's like, it ha- like I've experienced that it's mm-hmm. totally enough time to know. And like, I, I love what they have. And I love just like how over the moon they are just to spend time together. It, it's so beautiful. And I do really appreciate that when Odon asks Captain Picard, what do you think Beverly's like intentions are to stay? How, you know, how long does she want to stay in Starfleet for, you know, like, would she be willing to transfer? And he kind of bristles and he's like, I cannot presume to speak for my staff, you know? And I was like, yes, that is the perfect right answer mm-hmm. because you can't presume mm-hmm. to speak for her. Mm-hmm. I think we sort of know that the answer is she's going to stay in Starfleet forever. But you mm-hmm. know what? If Odon had not had this trill bit, she mm-hmm. might have left to go marry him. Who the hell knows? To be fair, she she was she left Starfleet in a heartbeat when she fell in love with that ghost. But there were some other <laughs> chemical imbalances going on in that situation. We'll get to that when we get to that episode. Yeah. Um, so it's possible, well, but if she's in her right mind, it's highly unlikely. I mean, she left the Enterprise and Wesley was still on it so she could go work at Starfleet Medical. So if anyone's changing careers, buddy, your ambassador days are over and you need to transfer to the Enterprise. The magic eight ball says this is not a good day to ask this question. <laughs> um, now, O'Donnell needs to take a shuttle down to this like planet to do this negotiation. But he, at first they're like, oh, you can transport right down. He's like, nope, nope, I can't transport. It feels very Dr. Pulaski. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, what is his deal? Until I was like, oh, the trail will be damaged. Like until that moment, I was like, yeah, is he really like anti-technology? Is he he really, is he really a boomer? Is he the like, I don't trust this. Is he, yeah, does he really not trust this bit of technology, but then later on, it's like, oh, okay, okay, like that. Yeah, there's a whole other reason. There's a whole so thing he does, going on here. Mm-hmm. So he does take a shuttle down, and I gotta say, beyond the trill and the really cool B plot, I like to think of this episode as the Riker over volunteering for shit episode mm-hmm. because he volunteers to pilot this fucking ambassador yeah. down. Don't you have ensigns and pilots and a slew of other people for this? By well, the way, I don't think I don't think we saw Jordy at all in this episode mm. now that, that i think it's true he may, he may have been on vacation worth. during this week but one of the things i thought in this episode was um when when odon was like i don't want to transport i'll just take a shuttle like i'll be fine whatever um governor tryon was like hey they are they're really hostile we cannot guarantee your safety if you try to take a shuttle down there's a high probability they're going to shoot it out of the sky mm-hmm. and he's like i'll take my chances thanks bye so i thought well that's ridiculously reckless for no reason whatsoever they have to like probably keep a transporter lock on him just in case someone tries to blow the ship up so they can transport yep, him they sure do and, and that's what i was thinking and then when Riker volunteers i was like well this is even dumber because you're yeah. the first in command after Picard on the whole freaking yeah. enterprise. Why are you flying the shuttle? Which hello, we all just said is a ridiculously dangerous idea. <laughs> if anyone's volunteering, it should be Worf volunteering one of his people <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was like the first officer that doesn't Yeah. When you hear it's unsafe, maybe yes. security needs to be up in there. Yeah. I They're too know. busy doing God knows what, cause it's not their job, but yes, I, I think you're absolutely right now. Of course, the second the shuttlecraft takes off, it's immediately attacked by one of the lunar colonies. Which I thought was bad planning on really, the lunar colonies' really, fault. Really no explanation. Well, here's a couple things that make no sense. So, you know, shots are fired. Odon is wounded. 
the Enterprise is like, turn back around, come back. And so Riker's <laughs> like, okay, coming back around. As he comes back around, two seconds later, they're like, we're going to, we're going to tractor beam the shuttlecraft and bring it in because like, you know, guidance systems like are damaged or whatever. After, yeah. After so they're like, we're going to tractor beam you, which is like, okay, that's fine. But it was really like two seconds after they said they were going to tractor beam them that they did engage the tractor beam. And as soon as they engage the tractor beam, the attacking ship just turns around and leaves. So it's like, yeah. wait a second, wait a second. You were close enough to engage tractor beams on a freaking shuttlecraft, but 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 they were too far for you to fire upon them. Like, <laughs> yeah, they chose not to the fire. Enterprise just couldn't just fucking fire upon them. No, they they this. chose not to fire because they they would have destroyed that little shuttlecraft in like a second. So the well, thing was, don't the- start none, won't be none. That's what I like to say. <laughs> they're there as ambassadors. They're trying not to. They're trying not to get listen. Involved. However- this is why I don't have any kind of future in the diplom <laughs> in the diplomatic. I don't. Because you start firing on my teeny tiny little ship, I'm going to fucking destroy you. And you should have known better, period. (laughs) But also, okay, but even if they, like, I get, I get, all jokes aside, like, why they wouldn't want to fire upon them. Can't you just extend shields a little bit? You know you can do that. That was the thing, is they had shields up, and the shuttle was passing through the shields from the Enterprise to, like, where it had its own shields or was unshielded or whatever, because they said... The shuttle's now passing out of our shield range. And it was like the second it passed out of Enterprise Shields, that's when the other little thing came and tried to fire on it. And then when it turned around, it got tractor by tractor beamed in, it got tractor like right back into the shields. And that's when the thing like turned around. But you're right. They could have, they could have done anything. They could have fired a warning shot. They could have disabled their weapons. They could have done like, I mean, it's the Enterprise. They could have done anything. They could have like infiltrated their system and shut down the whole ship. They could have tractor beamed their shuttlecraft and the attacking ship and basically be like a person holding two kids apart that are trying to fight and just be mm-hmm. like, no, when you're tractor beamed, you can't be firing and stuff like that. I was like, nope. this doesn't make any sense they to sure me. Could have. They could have. I was just it like, this like, is a right. dumb idea. Yeah. But also, whatever. We I'm needed sorry. some it, reason for Odan to be injured. Hurt. Yeah. And this was and he reason. is. He is hurt. Beverly discovers now that he's a parasite and he explains that the par- parasite is actually him. He's not his body. The body is just merely a host. The trill are parasites that take over these like willing hosts that are like bred to be hosts. And she's like, you're dying. What can I do? And Odon is like, this body is dying, but I need to find another host. And because Riker is volunteering for everything, he's like, I'll do it. And the next thing you know, they're he's like going under the knife. And I was mm-hmm. like, er, okay, Riker volunteers for too much damn shit. Don't be volunteering to go onto a Klingon <laughs> vessel for no good reason. Don't be volunteering to fly into, into some a war really zone. hostile. T- yeah, it, it, there's no reason for this. This isn't his first time volunteering the to fly other- into a war zone, by the way. You know what? It won't I be his last like, time. I feel like Picard should have been like, number one, you've done enough. Like your punch card has been punched like 20 yeah. times this month. Like you're good. Mm-hmm. He will volunteer for anything. Okay. I do now- love that data volunteered first because. I don't know. I just thought that was really sweet where he was just like, he needs a new host. What about me? And Beverly's like, no, has to be human. And then Riker's like, I'll do it. And I put in my notes. Wow. This crew is super brave. We already have two of our like, you know, seven, nine bridge officers or whatever volunteering their bodies. And I put in all caps, I would not volunteer my body. (laughs) And then I put in regular case. Would you Andrea? (laughs) (laughs) Um. I don't know. I would volunteer if there were very limited options. But the fact that Riker 
which is like, I'll do it. <laughs> like just like yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, we may need to think about this. And somebody said, one of the delegates later on Pelia says they will perceive you as a Starfleet officer with your own agenda. And it's like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Why didn't somebody run by this idea real quick? You know, mm-hmm. but I would have kind of done the thing that when you don't want a teacher to call on you, you make sure you're not making eye contact with them. <laughs> Suddenly you're really interested looking at your data pad and being like, oh, I've got a card game tomorrow and it's kind of hard, high stakes. So mm-hmm. like, maybe I won't, you know. Yeah. But, and but he did I volunteer am the person, for a good reason. Right. It was like he did. war is imminent and we Odon has to like negotiate a treaty yeah. or else. And yeah. so he's like, all right, if there's if the chips are down, the new host isn't going to be here till who knows when like, fine, I'll do it. But I was like, no, considering how sensitive I am about a holographic projection of my body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Just, I feel, uh, feel like, feel like, got, in my tummy, I'm good. feel like we've got 1000 other people on this ship who might be a better fit <laughs> psychologically, so physiologically, yeah. like for a ton of reasons for like any reason, not only did, we not no only did Riker say he would do it. He didn't even say like a question. He was like, I'll do it. It's a done deal. Okay. Everybody stop suggesting things. <laughs> you know, Open me up right like here, that. Beverly. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this. Why the fuck didn't she put him <laughs> to sleep? Why wouldn't you put him to sleep? She did. She said, I can't, I can't like anesthetize you. Or she said, I've numbed, I've numbed the feeling, but I can't put you to sleep because those drugs could harm the parasite. So I'm sorry, but you have to be awake. And so he's like, okay. So he couldn't feel anything, but he had to be like conscious so that Mm. the drugs in the system wouldn't affect. See, I think my, my auditory processing system was so over like overwhelmed by just being outraged at this poor medical practice. That I, did I am not hear outraged. That. Yeah. I was outraged. The, the trill body is so bizarre and weird looking, but very cool. It looked very cool. Gross. The prop department cool. made it as a cross between a caterpillar and mm. an octopus. And I could oh. totally see that. I could see caterpillar. Mm. Couldn't see octopus too much. Couldn't see octopus but... unless we're saying like kind of the octopus head, how it's kind of like, yeah, Maybe that, but yeah, I, I definitely saw a caterpillar or maybe even um like a grub worm. It's yes. kind of what I was picturing, like yeah, a grub they but have with those bright spots, the, mm-hmm. the red spot or whatever on them. Yeah, that's Ugh. more kind of what I was picturing. And they even made it kind of like pulse a little bit, which I don't know if that was totally necessary. We get that it's a big gooey thing. Like I think that was good enough. They tried to make it move and look like it was going to the, I don't think we needed that either. Like yeah, we get it. It's yeah. alive. It's like yeah. a gross thing. We get it. Um, but it yes. did look very cool. Like they did a good job with that creature that they created. Oh, and I also love the laser scalpel that cuts a nice incision down your stomach and mm-hmm. also heals you 100% without even How was that sound effect by the way? So cool. Yeah. So cool. Such a cool sound effect. I love This is what makes this show so great. Um I I recently watched um the Oscars, which I think most people were talking about it for a bunch of obvious reasons, but thinking so much about all of the different components that make an artistic like cinematic artistic piece like so Mm -hmm. impactful is that it takes it really does take a whole village you know the Mm -hmm. big categories are always the ones that like everybody pays attention to best actor best director best picture but like without editing Mm -hmm. without sound Mm -hmm. or costumes or even lighting design like you take one Mm -hmm. you do you take one of those elements away and that beautiful like cinematic art piece is like a pile of junk it becomes without like a, a backyard barbecue recording on your cell phone mm-hmm. without all yeah, the Yeah, it stuff. totally does. Mm-hmm. So like those little sound effects and little things like that just make all the difference. I think it's so wonderful. Now, Riker is now Odan. 
um, in a, about like 10 seconds and we get nurse yeah, well, back whoop, whoop, and she is back hey Alyssa. Me- yeah she's measuring his like vital signs and his neural patterns because that's really how these trill parasites work in this episode is like mm-hmm. they take over the host's mind and and seemingly mm-hmm. at this point of the trills life cycle they take over the host's mind completely like they just yeah just push Riker to the side or put him in a box or who knows what and now it's just odon <laughs> completely right yeah. we don't get any yes. Riker kind of peeping through um no. which is fascinating so so nurse ogal was like do 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 okay his brain activity is high okay now it's coming low now it's normalized mm-hmm. Rikers opens his eyes because he it was like roll his eyes were rolling in the back of his head. He opens his eyes and he goes, Dr. Beverly. And Beverly's like, Ugh. Cause at first she's yes. like, Yes, you're okay. Like you're good. Like you're healthy. The the transfer, the the transfer worked. So she's kind of got this look of relief and kind of happiness. She has a little smile on her face. And the second he says Dr. Beverly, her smile just drops because now it's like, what? The yeah. What? He says, You look tired, Dr. Beverly, and kind of like touches her arm or her face. And her face said it all where it's like, Oh God, you know, because Riker is a terrible person for this position for her because she's known him as like a brother for all these years. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, no. So that's, and it's weird. Pretty awful. And also let's not forget what happened to Riker. Like, where'd he go? Like, where did his yes. mind go? What did his personality yeah. go? Is he safe? Is he trapped? Is, right. he, is his consciousness like sentient and aware? Yes, like exactly. And like, yeah, am I going to be, so if I'm making out with Adon, but inside Riker's body, is Riker going to be like, Made out, out with me what the heck like yeah yes. it's just like there's some there's some big question marks in this whole scenario mm-hmm. because it's so if you just we just have never seen anything like this before so and poor beverly's in the middle of all of it yeah a lot of emotions oh so much i really felt for her and i think gates mcfadden did the most beautiful job as this like character who's so torn between betrayal and hurt and being upset and angry and curious mm-hmm. and and like in love it's just it's a lot at one point she goes to odon as you know Riker odon to check on him because he's not doing super well and she is like hurt and upset at this betrayal he had every opportunity to tell her the truth but he didn't and i went yes you had every opportunity but he says something that i was like oh yeah he's like at first she didn't, she wanted to leave because she had mm-hmm. to be there to like check on him. Mm-hmm. And he says, stay, we have to talk about this. And she says, I don't know what to say. And I love what he says. He said, neither do I, but the silence would injure us. And mm-hmm. I almost cried reading that. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's so true. It does injure you, you know? And she's and- very much like, you should have told me, you know? Yeah. And what what he says blows my mind. He's like, it never occurred to me. Like, this is just who I am. Did you ever tell me you're a singular being? No, it's just like who you are. Mm-hmm. And that was that yeah. I had a similar reaction when he when he said that I was like, that's a good point. It would have never occurred to me to tell someone I'm a singular, a single individual. Mm-hmm. It would have mm-hmm. never I would never have even nope. thought of it. And he Not was like, ever. I'm a symbiote. It never occurred to me to say I'm a symbiote. That's just what I am. And I, I also thought like at first I was like, how could you not tell somebody this? But then once he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, why would you tell someone this? And because yes. they don't have a lot of interaction, humans don't have a lot of interaction with the trill at this point. Um, this is why we're getting into these cultural challenges. They don't have a lot of knowledge of the trill or how they work. So they didn't even know they were symbiotes. They didn't even know that this was part of their, they didn't know any of this stuff. They're just transporting an ambassador to a critical situation. And Beverly happens to fall in love with him. Had that not happened and, or had Odan not been attacked by some random beta shuttle, like we would still have never known. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's like, yeah, Beverly can't be really hurt because he didn't lie to her. 
or mm. even intend to lie to her. It just never occurred to him to explain who he is as a being, which is fair. Yeah. But it's still like just for totally Beverly, fair. she's still she's like, it's like okay, and your body is gone. Like, and she has yeah. a beautiful conversation with Troy about it of like, well, what exactly yeah. did I love about him? Wasn't his body part of the package that I loved? But like, surely I didn't just love him for like his fingertips or like his eyelashes. You know, I loved him. But if you put that in a different package, does that change the love? Does that make me like um, shallow or what did I love exactly? It's very confusing. It's very confusing. And I love that. Like we can all understand why, why she's feeling the way she's feeling, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that that time in 10 forward with Deanna was really beautiful and touching because Mm -hmm. Riker does walk in and he's like staring at Beverly longingly. And Deanna's like, I really loved my father he would do all these wonderful things and he was strong and I loved him forever. And one day he was gone and I would do anything to have just a moment more with him and Mm -hmm. feel his arms wrapped around me and holding me. And, you know, she basically says like, accept the love and just go with it because you have Mm -hmm. like another chance to love this individual. And I thought, Deanna was such a fucking MVP in this mm-hmm. scene because we know this is not like her, but she could have been like, yeah, I totally get it. It's super weird. And he's my Zadi. And like, mm-hmm. I, this is I, hands off, you know, yeah, it's weird. He's in another body. Like you should wait for him to get in his final host. Um, yeah. What about Riker? And also I'm in love with Riker and like, mm-hmm. this is going to affect your professional relationship moving forward. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff she could have said to be like, yeah, Beverly, you're right. Stay away from him. You're Probably right. Probably is a no-go. Yeah. But what she said was, you have a chance at love. Take it. And Riker would be happy for you. Which he would be. He yeah. would be. And and when she says it, it's like, that's a, dang, that's a really good point. <laughs> like, everything yeah. you said is a really good point. Like, she is turning her back on so- something she has already expressed that she deeply appreciates and really wants to continue to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an I impossible was- situation. With I no wrong so decisions. sweet. No, mm-hmm. no, none at all. Like I thought it was really lovely. Um, now while kind of this starts to happen, Riker is doing his work with the delegates. He's doing this negotiation, but his body is starting to reject the parasite. So they mm-hmm. need that trail host like ASAP, mm-hmm. but Odin is given some medication and we'll have to wait for the new trail host to arrive. But it's like in 18 hours, like it's coming in a, in a while. Mm-hmm. And then and we he get needs this- the new host in like an hour. Like he's yes. fading fast. Yes. And we have this like fantastic, like agony scene where both, you know, Riker, Odon Riker and Beverly are in their respective quarters and they're kind of doing the, like, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm thinking of you. <laughs> I'm just, you know, where Odon is like, computer location of Dr. Crusher and the computer's like, Dr. Crusher is in her quarters. And then he doesn't go like, he's just consumed by thoughts mm-hmm. of her. And it's so lovely. And she's doing the same. And then she shows up to his quarters because she wants to, in air quotes, um, see how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> what thought, the, that's what the kids are calling it these days. Well, I love Can I see when, how you're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how when you're doing something that you maybe know you shouldn't be doing, you come up with like the flimsiest effing excuse in the world. Like (laughs) I needed to call my ex because I need my CD collection back. Like, "Mm, do you that badly though? Like, no, you don't. Do you even use CDs anymore? No, you don't. No, no. Right. (laughs) So I think 
And I think this tension was like played so expertly between both actors. It was incredible. And he said something like, Beverly, I want you like, if oh. you don't want this to go anywhere, you should leave, leave right now. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was like, I'm not going anywhere. And like, they just fall into yeah. each other. And I was that like, was really yes! sweet. Oh, it was so That good. was really sweet. I love that line. I love that scene. This was mm-hmm. the opposite of Troy and the douchebag who was like rubbing his fingers through her hair. And she's like, I want you to leave. I want you to go. And he's like, you yes. want me to stay. And you're just like, yeah. And he's bleh. blowing into her like, <sighs> Or yeah, like, dude. Yeah, it's like nauseating. This is, the, this is the exact opposite. This is like consent times a million. He's even saying like, I want you, like you should leave if you don't want this. And she's just like, I'm not going anywhere. I came for mm-hmm. this. Like I just, yeah. I, it was just beautiful. And also I thought yeah. to myself briefly about the actors like Jonathan Frakes and Gates McFadden, if this was weird mm-hmm. for them because they had been acting side by side for several years at this point. Um, for like three years, if you take out the year when, when Gates McFadden wasn't on the show yes. and it's like, was this awkward? And I kind of, I kind of was thinking back to Harry Potter, um, the movies where sure, Ron and Hermione, sure. spoiler alert, Ron and Hermione kiss in one of the movies, but the actors who play Ron and Hermione were friends from like age nine and mm. totally felt like siblings. And it was the worst moment for them in the history of all of the movies was the scene where they had to kiss. Really? It was like traumatic. Like they talk about it to this day where they're like, oh, that day we had to kiss. Oh, because like it's a show. So they have to kiss over and yeah. over and over and over until they yes. get the right kiss. Yeah. But like yeah. they were dreading it. They they were like, and it was just horrible for them because they're like siblings and because they're playing love interests on TV. You know, everybody's like, yeah. hey, you two are a thing, right? But they have like no romantic interest in mm, one another whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought like briefly, about Ron and Hermione in this scene with like Beverly and Riker kissing. Like, I wonder if the actors were like, well, we're going to suck it up and do it. Cause it's like acting, but on the inside, it's like, I'm kissing my brother. Oh, this is kind of weird. Wonder, I wonder if it was easier because they're adults, because you know, in the Harry Potter movies, those, those actors were like, what, like 18, maybe like they were just yeah. still kind of kids yeah. where these people are in their thirties or more. And, you know, they're pros. So I they wonder, are, but I, I still do think it'd be uncomfortable. I have, I mean, there are lots of, there are lots of men that I work with that I would see as like just a buddy or kind of like a brother. Mm-hmm. So to have to do that as a role would be like, I do right? want to do that. Yeah, no, I do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I totally get it. But they played it so well that oh, like, gosh, they're kind of yes. like back together and it's like amazing. Now, these final negotiations are underway, but Riker's body is breaking down fast. And mm-hmm. O'Don makes Beverly promise that he will be removed from Riker's physical being at the end of the day. Like no matter what is happening with the negotiations, because Riker's body the can't host. sustain the trill any, mm-hmm. any longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His body just can't sustain it any longer. So Riker will die. And since Riker has no say in the matter at this point, like, yeah, we need to respect that like we should look out for what's best for his and body. again this shows that odon is such a good guy right you just mm. like like this guy so much such a good parasite he such is a good parasite. he's like put me in a jar if i die i die but put we're not gonna harm that, Riker. put me in put me in that goop that you had yeah. your hands in at the spa <laughs> it's probably the same it's medical grade goop and it's gonna yeah. give me i'm gonna come out of stasis feeling extra moisturized everybody wins <laughs> everybody wins now <laughs> There was this really lovely moment where Beverly's like, okay, I promise. Even if it means Riker could die, O'Don could die. She just promised. And I was just so softened by this thing that Picard said to Beverly as she was walking out. He said, Beverly, 
whatever else I may be to you, I am your friend and I can only imagine what you're going through and I'm here for you. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this and you know, she's like, so beautiful. Luke. you know, it's she just, just so falls beautiful. into Picard's arms, boohoo crying. Now that Riker Odon has gone off to finish the negotiations best as he can before, before Riker needs to go into Falls immediate apart. surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was really sweet just to see her like being vulnerable, but also to see Picard being a shoulder to lean on, despite the fact that they have a sketchy history with their own love mm-hmm. interest with one another, mm-hmm. but for Picard to, to be a shoulder to lean on in just a yeah. really platonic way was very yeah. beautiful and offering his strength. I really loved that scene. I mean, this whole episode was beautiful, but yeah, that was, that was All really of it. lovely. Mm-hmm. All of it was so gorgeous. And I do love that he says, whatever else I may be to you, I'm your friend. So I was like, Ooh, the whatever else part. I was like, Hmm. So he also knows that they have. Yeah. Neither of us knows. are confused about what's it's going a little on. Something mm-hmm. he, exactly. Yeah. Now six hours have gone by. Odon comes out and says it was worth it and collapses. What's worse is that they just heard that the trail host has been delayed by like nine hours. Mm-hmm. But what's it's great gonna... is that he has successfully negotiated peace <laughs> and now yes. the war is off. So phew, yeah. well done, Odon. Thank God. I wish we could have seen a little bit of that. Cause again, I would have loved to have known how they negotiated that peace treaty, but cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now Beverly is able to save Riker and keep Odon in stasis while they await the new host. And then, you know, Worf does awaken Beverly to be like, Dr. Crusher, the, the new host has arrived. And she kind of turns around with a smile and sees that it's a woman. Mm-hmm. And she's just like thrown from one corner of the room to the other, like mm-hmm. emotionally. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, oh God. And we get this sort of sad ending where the operation is a success. And Odon comes in and wants to talk to Beverly about like, what, you know, what about our relationship? And she's like, this whole thing is just too much for me to take in. Like mm-hmm. it's too much uncertainty to live with. Like you're Odon now but you're going to be a different Odon later yeah, like, in Kareel's body. And she also says, um, how long will you have this host? Which is a yeah. very good question because I'm sure he was planning to be in the original host's body for longer, but then it got damaged. So then he needed a new one and Riker mm-hmm. was available. So then he was in Riker and now he's out of Riker. Now he's in Kareel and maybe something will happen to Kareel and then he'll be in another body. And it's just yeah. like, yeah. She And she said, I can't keep up. And that's a very valid question. How long yeah. will this host be here? When will we get a new host and a yeah. new host and a new host? And I'm just not, I've never experienced this before. And I'm not in a place where I can just rubber band myself to any Mm -hmm. new body that you happen Mm -hmm. to pick up along the way and just pick up Mm -hmm. where we left off as if nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. She says that too. She says, maybe in the future, my love won't be, you know, or humanity's ability to love won't be so limited to Mm -hmm. just one form, which I thought was a really beautiful way to put it because yeah, it's, it's confusing. And and it's very scary to know that this body could just be exchanged like coats and hats, mm-hmm. whatever it may need to be. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that is part of loving someone is loving the little is loving their bodies as well. And yeah. for their whole body to switch to a whole new body and then a whole new body again in the span of like three days, I could, it's too much. I mean, well. you just have like emotional whiplash. It's yep. way too much. It's yeah. way too much experiencing, experiencing this sort of whiplash where you're sort of all your expectations and everything that you know about this person is ripped out from under you is really traumatic and confusing and like just bewildering. Right. So Mm -hmm. for her to be in love with this man and then 
now it's like Riker's body. And like, what if they find a younger body that's a better host, you know, and it mm-hmm. ends up, they ends up putting Odon into like the body of like a 14 year old or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, these things just, this isn't mm-hmm. appropriate. You know, yep. this wouldn't work. So I love that the writers did leave room for us as a species to grow and adapt in our capacity to love. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of neat. So that's yeah. where the episode ends. Mm-hmm. And I just, and they did end on a nice note where she was like, you know, I will never forget you. And I think Odon says like, I will never, ever forget you either or something. And I was like, I think that's lovely. And just leave on a good note, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's bittersweet. It kind of reminds me of Kalar and Worf's parting before Kalar came back with the surprise baby (laughs) when she left the first time. And and awful. I know. And he was just awful move. Like whatever he said, like, I'll be incomplete without you or whatever. And she's just like, Mm -hmm. Okay, bye. Um, yeah. But just that, like, because <laughs> she was too scared to say it, but just that, like, it's bittersweet because you're like, I know this relationship can't work, at least not right now, not in this way, but I really, really want it to. Um, but I get it. So it's like, there's no hard feelings. And also, it's just a little sad. And, and that's, that was definitely this where you're just like, Beverly cannot keep being with someone who just switches their body whenever they need to. It's yeah, really hard to wrap her head around. So this relationship just can't make it um and it's just such a bummer because they were so madly in love and now they both have to like kind of grieve that loss so yeah my my final thought of this episode was this was just beautiful it was beautiful i so far i'm just loving beverly's love interests they are wonderful human beings slash aliens um (laughs) and it's always such a bummer when they don't end up together in yeah It is. Well, I had some trivia on Beverly that I didn't want to drop until right now. Did you know that at the time of filming, Gates McFadden was seven months pregnant? No. So we never saw her torso. They used all these different filming techniques to kind of conceal her abdomen. Like she was sleeping with her head like up on like the operating table, or you would just see her from like the chest up mm-hmm. brushing her hair. Like she was or, like very sitting on the bridge, pregnant. but you can only see her like face. Yes, because her lab coat kind of covered. Yeah. So she was very pregnant. And I thought, you know, this is a woman (laughs) who's like, you know, you see pictures of, I've never been pregnant um, and I've never wanted to be. So that's, that works out really nicely for me, but you see pictures of people who are pregnant and like, here I am three months pregnant and here I am nine months pregnant and they look completely wildly different. Their faces have spread and all this stuff. Like Mm Gates McFadden didn't have any of that. She looked exactly Mm -hmm. the same. And I was like, geez, Louise lady, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was makeup tricks or not, but like this woman was not rolling around like horribly pregnant, you know, where you were like, even if I can't see your torso, like something is different Mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. She just looked the same. And I think that the crew did an incredible job of like concealing her abdomen. So it doesn't take away from what's happening in the story at all, which it absolutely would, unless they pulled a, like Troy got impregnated by a light beam situation, but they'd have to do that for her whole pregnancy, which would be silly. And then we need yeah. like a baby on the show or something. So I appreciate that too. And, and I actually really love when um, women get pregnant on shows like back in the nineties or whatever, and just like kept working. They didn't have to be written off the show or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, we'll just put a bigger shirt on and like move the angle of the camera. We're good. Yeah. You could like, be you carrying could... like a, you could be carrying a potted, pl- a potted plant and then like a box and a, a birthday mm-hmm. cake. <laughs> you could be, yeah. I remember this one, um, this, uh, I love CSI and I was watching one of the versions of CSI and one of the women got pregnant and, um, they just left her in the lab. She just didn't go out to crime scenes for like several months. And then when she was pregnant, her character got pregnant, which was fine because her character had just gotten married, like not too much before that. So you're like, mm-hmm. oh, great. She's pregnant. And since she was super pregnant, 
they just showed her real body and was like, oh, she's going to go off on maternity leave. So she just did that in person and her character on the show. And it made all the sense in the world. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah, it was great. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like in this case, it doesn't make any sense for Beverly to suddenly be seven months pregnant. But I love that she was able to still work and be amazing and be fabulous. Um, She was fabulous. She is fabulous. Yeah. I just, I I appreciate that, that that is an option for women. That was not Mm. always an option for women. I love that. Well, this episode has been a hoot and a half. Next week, we are talking season four, episode 23, The Mind's Eye. Thank you guys so, so much for listening as always. Cherise, thank you. We will see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.